Game four tonight. Like Eric Cole just said, just get the first game. Just get like just get one. Just get one tonight because you never know what happens. Because you win tonight, you're back at PNC Arena on Friday, which I feel good about Carolina at PNC. I know they lost the first two games of the series, both in overtime at PNC, but I still feel good going at PNC. Then you can put the pressure on Florida in game six down in Sunrise to take care of business because they're probably going to feel the pressure to take care of it there because you don't want to come back to PNC for a game seven. Yeah, and when you play the type of game that these two have been playing the whole series, pressure is going to break you at some point because your your margin of error is just so razor thin. So, no, I, I agree. Just one game at a time. I mean, it's, it's happened four times. or Yeah, it's happened four times. Twice since 2010 where someone has come back from this 3-0 uh, deficit. And the, the the only thing that really concerns me is just the lack of goals. Because like we were talking about oh, earlier yeah. on the show, the you have to – all of these comebacks, when they have happened, it has come with a massive turn in, in goals uh, scored. And it just offense just a suddenly clicking where it wasn't earlier on in the series. So that, that to me, will be the key here. But, I mean, it's just, just one game at a time. That's that's all you can do. I know it's I know it's so cliche, but that that's all you can do at this point. I I'm thinking about to when I was a college lacrosse coach, and the biggest thing I would sometimes tell players in individual games is you can't win the you're not going to win the game on one play. You for example, if you have a again lacrosse, or actually a comeback that we have, we actually got down by eight goals in the game. We come back and won. Actually, won the game by two. And I told him, like, look, you're not gonna, you're not gonna win the game and make up this deficit on one play. You're not gonna make up a three nothing deficit in this series tonight. But you just have to go up there and get the next goal or get just win that next play, whatever it might be. It might just be a, a simple puck battle in the corner, win that play. Or if you could beat out an icing call, go win that play and just stack up those little wins. Carolina has been playing exactly the way they want to. I mean, and that's not just, not just me saying that. It's not Rob Brendamore or the players saying it. You have the guys like Paul Bissonnette and Wayne Gretzky and Anson Carter on the TNT broadcast. Even Henrik Lundqvist also going like, "Yeah, they're playing. The, they're playing great. Yeah, they're playing great. They just got to finish." We, I mean, we we said it already in, in Game Three. Thirty-two shots on goal compared to Florida's seventeen. 66 total shots compared to Florida's 52, winning 58.1% of the faceoffs compared to 41.9 for for Florida. They're doing everything you need to do to be in a position to win. They're just not finishing. And that's that we said that in game 1, we said that in game 2, we said that in game 3. The hope for the Carolina Hurricanes is we do not say that in game 4. Let's go ahead and quit that. Hit this. I hit it so good. Speaking of the history for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. Being down 3-0 is not great. Uh, no, it's not. Two, 204 times it had happened uh, in NHL history in a best-of-seven series before this postseason. Uh, in those 204, or before this round, in those 204 times, uh, only four teams have accomplished, accomplished it. You have the 1942 Toronto Maple Leafs over the Detroit Red Wings. In 1975, the New York Islanders, uh, they beat... Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2010, the Philadelphia Flyers uh, beat uh, the Boston Bruins, and in 2014, the LA Kings beat the San Jose Sharks. So you're you're in this situation where you're trying to do what very few people have done before. When you go back and look at it, though, one of the, there are two things that we have determined are consistent with these comebacks. One, 
you have a major momentum shift that happens in game three or game four. And normally it came in the form of an overtime win or in like the uh, Kings, for example, they had lost just crazy huge margins in game one and game two. And then they had a tight overtime loss in game three. And that's ultimately what swung things in their direction. Mm -hmm. So that momentum swing is the key. Also, scoring goals. In almost all of these comebacks, you've gone from, say, if we use the Kings for an example, uh, when they were down 3-0, they were averaging 2.6 goals per game. When they ended up scoring or winning those four games in a row, they were averaging 4.5 goals per game. So you, you got to wake up and find the back of the net, and you have to rally a tight emotional uh, moment, which... I mean, I know we've had plenty of those already in this series, but yeah. based on everything we've seen, I'm, I'm expecting another tight, tight game on this one, uh, Dennis. I, I'm. It would not surprise me if this game also goes to overtime, but I want to see Carolina score like seven goals today. Sure, seven-seven overtime instead of a no. God, don't do that. That would just that would just absolutely <laughs> rip my heart. I was like, wait, hold on. We actually start scoring, but also so do they. At the same time, no, I don't want anything that. No, I want them to win 7-2 tonight. Another thing to note with just how close this series has been, right? Uh, in three games now, just over 13 periods with all the overtimes, there have been 261 minutes and 38 seconds of hockey played. Neither team has led by more than one goal in that entire time. That's wild to think about. All right, let's quit that and let's hit this. Playing with their bus tight. Hey, you know who got a win when they were down 3-0 in a series? The Boston Celtics against a team from South Florida I'm not gonna, I'm in not gonna, South Florida. I'm not going to clap for the Boston Celtics. Are you kidding me? No, I'm, too, I'm I'm trying to use this as an example for the Carolina Hurricanes. Sure. Hey, you can be down 3-0 sure. in South Florida and win a game and go back to your home arena. That's my point. The okay, Celtics okay. did win last night uh, over the Miami Heat, so they the, the word that we only ever use in the sports world, staved off elimination. Now I'm thinking about that. That's true. Yeah, it's true. No one's like, I'm staving off whatever. No, they're, stave, uh, they're staving off uh, the Miami Heat, that is. So Boston Celtics yesterday win 116-99 to over the Miami Heat. Again, keeping things alive. Tatum had a pretty solid game last night. 33 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Jimmy Butler still was awesome. He had 29-9. It's to, to me, with this one, it was all about the three-point shooting. Mm -hmm. uh, you had the, the Celtics kind of coming back up to the normal, whereas the Heat kind of dipped below their average in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, Heat were 25% from three. But also, if you if you do want to make these Hurricanes connections, it's, it's similar in the fact that you had Boston, who was the higher-seeded team, lose both games at home, mm -hmm. and then they lose game three on the, road. on the road. And so now it's setting up similar to what if the Canes can get a win in game four, what it's setting up for is the 3-1 going back home. Mm -hmm. And then that, to me, that's a lot of pressure to put on an opposing team. Unfortunately for the Boston Celtics, if there's one player in the NBA playoffs right now, in this entire playoffs, honestly, that I feel like shows no signs of any kind of pressure, it's Jimmy Butler. Fair. He, I mean, he he does exactly what he's going to do. He said, hey, no worries. We're good. I think his, his quote, paraphrasing here, what was, we're going to go back to the locker room, going to have some beers with the team, drink All some right. wine. We're going to be just fine. Okay. Good for him. All right, let's quit that and let's hit this. Take that for data. Uh, real quick NBA story here, uh, real fast. Uh, John Morant, the star point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, who's... Been in, 
been under in some heat lately. Some scrutiny. Yeah, some, a lot of scrutiny with in during the late in the regular season, uh, being shown at a nightclub in Denver with with a handgun, and then was suspended because of that. And then this offseason after his team was eliminated, being on Instagram live again, showing a handgun while riding in a car, yeah. like possessing the gun again. It's like again, there's the perception thing that comes to this. Uh, had a police wellness check. Uh, after some some tweets and stuff that or some messages that he posted on social media, yeah, his on his IG story he had a couple of messages back to back that he posted uh, and has since deleted and has since deleted. Um, but the internet never forgets. Yes, uh, they were essentially kind of uh, moments with his family, um, you know, parents, daughter, things like that, and then he he finished it with just saying bye. Yeah, which, uh, you know. Uh, it's with the wellness check that you saw. I, I think a lot of people jump to a kind of worst case scenario there, uh, and what that could yeah. mean. So, fortunately, it sounds like everything is okay with John Morant. The, the wellness check was conducted, and and everything's fine. But it's it, it's moments like that that really kind of put things in perspective. So you hope, obviously, Ja has a, a lot that he has to work on personally um, this off season, um, and, and you hope that he can kind of put it together and be in a position where he can continue to be, um, you know, kind of the face of the league like he was being set up to be. Because, you know, no matter the what is happening with him from a personal side of things, you, yeah. you don't you don't want the young man to fail. You want him to find success and, and all of that. So you hope you hope nothing for the be- but the best for Ja and, and his family and his friends. Can't, anything, can't add anything more to that. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit this. Not the day. So uh, Taylor Swift. Oh, we're going there. Okay. Taylor Swift, uh, who is selling out arenas all over the place, um, where people are paying thousands upon thousands of dollars for for her um, her tickets. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, she puts on a great show. That's all I've heard from everyone. Everything I've been great told. Show. Yep. Um, she is releasing a remix of her song from the Midnight's album. Yeah. Um, Karma. Okay. Karma is Karma is my boyfriend. You know, Karma is a god, and I, f- I forget the rest of the lyrics. Sure. It's a good song. It's a really good song. Um, but she is releasing a remix of this song with Ice Spice. Who? So okay, no, no. See, now this is I mean, this is on I, I, you, on, Dennis. No, 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 no. Ice Spice. Ice Spice. This is. Is that one of the Lost Spice Girls? The, the, she, she, the self-proclaimed princess of rap. She's she's had some features with like, like Nicki Minaj, for example. Okay. Awesome. She's very popular on TikTok. Fair. This is this is it, it's really interesting to me because it's taking two two people who are very um, uh, prominent in the cultural zeitgeist right now. Okay. Uh, and and is combining them and throwing something together. I have no idea what this is going to sound like. I have no idea what this is going to going to be like. Um, but I'm I'm fascinated to see the result of this uh, cor- collaboration, if you will. Is this kind of similar to roughly 20 years ago when Linkin Park and Jay-Z got together and did some did some mashups? Well, no, it's, I mean maybe. I don't know. It's it's definitely Which, one of those... I'm not going to lie, I really enjoyed them a lot. Well, no, cuz it's like it's funny when I feel like throughout the aughts, right, almost every pop song yeah. had this feature with, like, a, a rap artist, a hip-hop artist. Mm-hmm. And so it, it kind of harkens back to those days, I feel like. But um, I, th- I believe it was also Jay-Z. Uh, it was either Ed Sheeran talking about this or Jay-Z that, talking about this. Uh, Ed Sheeran approached Jay-Z to feature on one of his songs that was wildly popular. I forget which one, like, Shape of You, maybe. I don't know. And Jay-Z told him, this doesn't need a rap verse, man. And so sometimes I just think to myself, this song, it doesn't need a rap verse, man. Oh, well. Let's go ahead and quit that. Let's hit this. You're killing me, Petey! You're killing me!
NC State head coach Kevin Keats talked yep. to the uh, media uh, today, just kind of checking in during the offseason, talked a lot about transfers, talked a lot about uh, you know what the team's going to look like, what who, the players that are returning. Uh, he also kind of did a, a little bit of a check-in calling out the ACC in a way, saying, hey, we need to do a better job of supporting our programs. We've got to do a good job, a better job promoting our league. Uh, I think our network has to do a better job promoting our league. Uh, we, as a, a league, have performed very well in the tournament. But you can't tell me that in a 15-team league with really good um, programs that we should be getting just five teams in. And I think one of our jobs as coaches is we've got to do a better job of trying to win in November and December uh, because the committee seems to me to be putting a lot of um, you know, emphasis on your early wins opposed to what happens in your league. We have lived a little bit lately on the reputation of the league in basketball, and I think we need to get back to you know promoting it more than we do. It's that part right yes. there at the very end. Like, hit the nail on the head. Yep. You, you, can't, you can't live on what the ACC was. I mean, I would argue still is, but you, you have to constantly advance with the times and be a player in the game. So the ACC and that reputation that we talked about, it used to be not even 10 years ago. If you won 22, 23 games and you won 10 games in the ACC, you were a lock for the NCAA tournament. Easy. A lock. Easy. But the way things are now with net rankings and the advanced numbers, the selection committee factors into their decision-making regarding these things, that no longer applies. No. You can't just be – like, for example, in years past, what Clemson did this past season, lock. Yeah. Lock, seven seed, Clemson six seed. is such a good example of that. Perfect example of it. But, again, that's the net rankings, and this is how the ACC can help itself. With, with success and proper scheduling in the non-conference in November or December, like Kevin Keach just talked about, if you can boost your net rankings – going into conference play, much like the Big 12 did last year. And also kind of like what part of the Big 10 did as well. I mean, Ohio State, for the longest time, even though they are a below 500 team, was still considered a quad one win or quad two at different times for UNC basketball. That was actually considered one of their best wins. It's like that team is below 500. But again, the way... The scheduling can be done out of conference, can boost your net rankings, which then can elevate the conference as a whole. Uh, Another, I think, way outside of basketball that we're going to see this is what happens in the football season this year, right? Yes. Drake May is going to be one of the front runners for the Heisman. Mm -hmm. So much of the Heisman is about narrative. Yes. And if if we're in a position where it's at the end of the year and it's kind of a toss up between like the Caleb Williams of the world, the Drake Mays of the world, and it comes down to the positioning of what is your conference done, what does your schedule look like, what's the competition you're doing this against, that's another example where like, hey, ACC's got to carry the load. All right, let's quit that. Let's hit one final How thing you real doing? fast. Uh, Tina Turner, R.I.P., passed away today. Age of eighty-three. Eighty-three. Uh, if you go back, there's actually a video circulates it's circulating back again. At the the pregame of the Super Bowl of January 2000, January 30, 2000, so the 1999 season, when it was the L.A. Rams, uh, the L.A. Rams, the St. Louis Rams at the time, taking on the Tennessee Titans, where the the, the Kevin Dyson tackled at the one yard line, the greatest show on turf, iconic, with absolutely amazing game. Tina Turner at age 60 did a pregame show, and it was amazing. It was. Absolutely awesome for at age 60 
did a full on like had a stage pregame show. It was super cool to uh, to actually went back and watched that a little bit. But age of eighty three, I'm not gonna lie, I did not realize that she was that old. She's just uh, just such a part of of just culture in general. Yeah. Her 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 songs, all of that. Favorite Tina Turner song? Oh, the best. I'd say what's love got to do with it. Oh, that's another great one. It's but I it's, won't I won't argue. It's just her discography. Everything's great. Pat Welter. That's right. WRL's Pat Welter, who joins us from FLA Live Arena with the big five questions. Pat, we're gonna get started with an easy one here. Before game three, you said it was tense. Does it still feel tense? I kind of felt a looser vibe today, guys. Okay. There was good to know. Miles at the gate, yeah. Uh, you know, Rod seemed a little intense. Uh, he was mixing it up in the drills early. Uh, he looks like he was ready to play the game himself at 11.30 this morning. Uh, and I imagine he feels the same way right now, just get out there on the ice, because they feel like they're due for a win uh, at this point. The way the stats have gone, a lot of them are in the Canes' favor. Just the final results haven't been. Three goals, 14 periods. That doesn't seem indicative of the way the Canes have played. Obviously, a lot of that is Sergei Bobrovsky and how much he's dominated, 132 saves. Yeah. But you know what? The hockey gods are due to give them a little break here, I think. Pat Welter, WRL Sports, joining us here in the Heath Stroud Motor Group Hotline. Again, like you just mentioned, we haven't seen the goals. Did, was there any indication from maybe what you saw in the morning skate about how Carolina maybe plans on uh, attacking Bobrovsky differently, whether it's shooting in certain spots or just the old cliche of just more traffic in front? Yeah, I saw Jordan Stahl. Sebastian Ajo, Stefan Nason, all doing, you know, little deflection drills in front of the net. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily something that's exclusive to today. But it stood out to me. It seemed like uh, it wasn't by accident that there might be a little extra emphasis there. Because when you can't beat them straight up, you can beat them if you block them. You can't stop what you can't see. And the guy's been stupendous against rebounds. uh, And we lost Pat Walter. See, this is the thing. The Florida Panthers clearly are trying to make sure that the Carolina Hurricanes can't do anything about Bobrovsky tonight. In, this is exactly what that was. No, in my mind, they're clearly stepping in. In my mind, that was Bobrovsky actually smacking the phone out of that Pat's hands. That honestly was probably Bobrovsky like, oh, stopping, stopping the feed for Pat Welter. So, okay, so talking about, again, the, trying to get st- – honestly, it seems like even if Bobrovsky doesn't see it, it's still not going in the back of the net. We saw the deflection by Faust – that went off the post and just as a whole, it just nothing seems to be going their way, but the deflection drills and stuff actually are something the Carolina hurricanes do during morning skates often as it is anyway. So that's not something new and exclusive today. Um, So that's kind of something that we are waiting to see, um, waiting to see them maybe generate some more opportunities in terms of more deflections. Yeah. Do, do more in the actual game. Yeah. Um, No, but it's, it's, it's difficult, uh, obviously. It's like I relate it to – I relate a lot of things to basketball, but I, I relate it to basketball when you are in a shooting slump and you mm-hmm. feel like the rim is just so, so small. Yeah. If, it feels like, you know, when you're at the state fair and you're trying to shoot at those, like, rims that are, like, literally the circumference of the of the basketball, and unless you have the perfect shot, it's not going to go in. That kind of feels a little bit like what the Hurricanes are dealing with right now. Uh, it feels like Bobrovsky has just made the net as small as possible. 
All right, let's go back to the Heaster Automotive Group hotline. Pat Welter uh, was clearly blocked by uh, by Bobrovsky there uh, as he joins us live from FLA Arena in Sunrise, Florida. All right, so we talked about how Carolina wants to change up how they're doing things goal-scoring-wise. Uh, should, should we expect any sort of lineup changes, adjustments to the line combinations tonight? Because this is do or die for Carolina. No, I think Ron likes where they're at. I mean, that's kind of the weird thing about it. It's it's kind of strange on the surface to talk to a team down 3-0, and it's like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we kind of want to keep doing what we're doing. I mean, Rod said he's made little tweaks, you know, every game. I mean, Mackenzie McKechnie was a big one getting inserted into the lineup. Uh, you know, Alexander Barkov is going to play tonight. He left last game uh, pretty early on. He's obviously been a big X factor in the series, and that's been a point of emphasis for the Jordan Stall line. And, you know, when, you, when you're on the road here, you don't have last change, so – that's certainly something to look for. But again, all we keep hearing from them is that they like their game. I mean, I, you know, everybody will tell you, like, they feel like the results are going to come. So it's a matter of, is there enough time for the math to work itself back around? Yeah. It's a yeah. sample size here. And we've got four games. You might need to get to seven uh, to kind of get the, your due. So that's the problem, right? Like I asked Rob, like, what does it feel like now that finality is finally here, that you truly are? in a win or going home situation, does it affect anything? And he actually said it makes things easier because it's now or never. There's nothing left to fake. Yeah. You can't be any more desperate than this. And we'll see if that can play itself out because the Panthers haven't blinked any game in this series yet. You thought maybe they'd let up at home uh, last game. They did not. We'll see if human nature takes a toll tonight with the 3 series lead. WRL Sports is Pat Welter joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline here for the big five questions from FLA Arena. Uh, Pat, you mentioned the Alexander Barkov injury. Carter Verhage, or when he was announced that he'd be returning or he would be playing the game, Verhage said he's our best player. Um, so obviously big for, for the Panthers to have him. And you talk a little bit about having this conversation with Rod about mm-hmm. the place they're in. Are the Hurricanes just aware of the history they would have to make in order to surmount this three nothing deficit. I don't get the vibe that they're looking at it that way. I mean, again, like I said, I kind of felt like the skate was a little bit loose this morning. So I think it's a little bit of like fans and media versus what it's like to actually be a player. And these guys are so task oriented. They're so routine oriented. Sure. I asked Sebastian Ajo that same question, like, you know, Sebastian, do you, sense the finality that this could have been the last morning skate and then he's like no nah, i mean i don't think about it at all i mean the, pro- the progression up to the game is the same we play the same game we like our game uh and we feel like the results are going to come and I-, I almost sense a little edge uh to Ajo there which I-, I like i think that's something you want to see uh, there's been a little edge to-, to rod uh at the press conferences as well i think they're pissed off i think they think that 3-0 doesn't reflect who they are, who they've been. I don't think it tells the story of this season. Uh, and, you know, I don't think history should have to remember them as a team that got swept. And I think uh, that's kind of in the back of everybody's head. Just it's a, it's a matter of pride at this point, you know. And uh, I'm going to talk to Rod, actually, after I get off with you guys again, a quick uh, one-on-one here at 525. And uh, I'm going to ask him, you know, what are you going to say in the locker room to the guys before the game? Uh, I don't know if he'll give me the exact quote. He tends to downplay things to us uh, behind the scenes, but, you know, Rod's guys won the cup. When he talks, you listen, 
And I, like I said, I, I felt the edge with him, the way he was skating this morning himself, mm-hmm. the coach skating with an edge, talking with an edge. Uh, we'll see if he can fire the guys up. Pat Welter, WREL Sports, down from Sunrise, Florida, at FLA Live Arena. Final question for you, 60 seconds here, Pat. Yep. Is everything going to be okay? Is everything going to be fine? Are we going to be all good? Well, I know my wife wants it to be over. And <laughs> You're the second person to say that You today. are the second person to say I, our spouse's wishes it was over. That's fair. And I'm getting pretty tired, uh, you know, so they're definitely going to win. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Kind of like the hockey gods. Like, at this point, like, the hockey gods are going to do them a favor here. Well, they got – what's the towel here? Throw the rats or something like that? They're ready to throw the rats? Yeah. Uh, they don't get to throw rats tonight. No, not again here. It's going back to Raleigh. I like that. I like that. Pat Welter, WRL Sports. Check him out on Twitter, at Patrick Welter. Also check out all the post-game, pre-game and post-game coverage if you want to on WRAL with Pat and Casey from live down there at FLA Live Arena. Pat, enjoy the game. Appreciate it, guys. That's Pat Welter joining us here in the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Yeah, the way the hockey gods work, it might just be a thing where we're back here on Friday. May Back they, live at PNC Arena on Friday. May they bestow us with their blessings. I hope they do. 